Hello, hello. Hey, up. What's up? What's good? Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a fantastic episode for you today with a marvelous guest, American professional road racing cyclist Alex Howes joins the show. Alex first turned pro in 2012. He is now a cyclist for EF Education First. Throughout his illustrious professional career, he's had many successful results and podiums. On today's episode, Alex chats about how he's been able to stay competitive for as long as he has and the ways he's adapted his training physically to keep his body fresh and competitive. Alex also discusses the events that make him the most proud. And finally, Alex and I chat about the grueling mental aspects of cycling and how he keeps himself in the right place of mind. This was a lovely conversation. I felt I had known Alex for a long time. First of all, I have to tell you, it was brilliant. He was back home in Colorado, and as we chatted, he showed me a picture of the outdoors, and it was blanketed in beautiful snow. I don't think there's any better way to start a conversation than we had there. I'm guessing Alex didn't love it quite as much as I did, but thrilled me to no end. This was just such a fun chat, and I love his personality. I love his openness, and excited to hear about his life as a cyclist, but also as a new father. Thrilled for everyone to meet him. So let's go ahead and bring on American cyclist, Alex Howes, and let's learn. See if I can flip this sucker around right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're getting, wow, that's gorgeous. Getting a bit of a spring storm coming through, so it's a good time to do a podcast, I guess, you know. Now to me, that's gorgeous, but I don't know for you living in it, you might get tired of it. No, it's I don't know. It's it's never not gorgeous. Okay. Um Sometimes it's it's pain in the butt for sure, but yeah. <laughs> it's definitely beautiful. But it's hard when you got to dig your car out or something, you know. But yeah, yeah. I've never done that. I guess I'm lucky. I've never shoveled. <laughs> so I guess I'm one of the rare. Oh man, you got to come visit. You know, well, ice your ice your windows up and make your uh, give you some cold cheeks as you jump in your car. You know, I would actually I think enjoy it just because it's something different. Because I'm so used to just hot, hot, hot every day that it gets weather gets boring over here because there's just nothing but. Hot. Yeah, yeah, I know how that goes too. So I did a little bit of research, um, and man, you've had some, some some wild people on the show for sure. Wild, so, yeah, you're right. Some of them blow my mind. Yeah. The things that they do, but uh, yeah. First of all, just curious when you first found yourself on a bike, and what do you remember about those early years in the sport? Uh, I mean, I, I started riding bikes kind of same way, pretty much everybody does. Uh, you know, I was like four or five years old, getting pushed in the alleyway, running into trash cans. Um, and you know, my dad, my dad raced, uh, you know, fairly competitively when he was younger. Uh, he still gets out there and beats himself up every now and then. But, um, yeah, just sort of, you know, we're kind of going on our family vacations were always to, you know, some bike race somewhere in a cool part of the country and, uh, just really enjoyed, you know, one racing. I was really competitive little kid and found, found myself being pretty good at it, but, um, you know, really, really cherished like the family trips and, you know, road trips with my dad. And, uh, it's just a great way to, you know, spend time and kill weekends. And, yeah. um, you know, here I am, I don't know, 20 years later or something. <laughs> still, still doing it, you know. Is there one event or one location that really stood out and stayed in your memory? You know, definitely when we were younger, when I was younger, um, we would go down, uh, the two that really stick out in my mind, um, we would go down to uh, Durango, Colorado, 
uh, and raced raced the Iron Horse Bicycle Classic, and it was, you know, it was a kind of a still is kind of a iconic little race. It you know, goes up over um, a couple big passes and finishes in the town of Silverton, and you know you can like take the train back if you want, but it's you know, they call it the Switzerland of America, that part of the part of the, the country, and it I mean it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Huge mountains. We race it in the spring, so there's you know snow on on top of every single mountain, and it's cold, and sometimes you get caught in snowstorms and hailstorms, and I don't know. It's just really you know cool place to be and a, a great place to ride and race a bike yeah, as long as it's not snowing on you. Yeah. Um, the other one was uh, Tour of the Gila down in uh, Silver City, New Mexico. You know, kind of kind of out there, kind of a funky little town. And, uh, yeah, you're out racing in the desert and, you know, it just feels certainly when you, you know, when I was like 13 years old, you know, I don't barely knew how to read a map, you know, it, it just, you just felt so out there, you know, I mean, out on these desert roads and, um, you know, you don't, you don't see any, you don't see people, you don't see cars and you're like, man, I hope I don't run out of water out here. <laughs> so. I've been to both those locations, Durango, Great Place to Ski and Silver City, right on the I-10 and you blink if you miss it. You mentioned that you've been doing it 20 years later and I know in order to cycle for as long as you have, you've had to adapt your training along the way. So I'm curious in what ways have you adapted your training physically to make sure that you've stayed fresh but also competitive? You know, it's kind of funny because there's, there's like a lot of, I mean, I've been at it for so long and there's, you know, there's like a lot of, I, I guess sort of like fad training. You know, it's kind of like training is kind of like a diet. You know, there's always something new. There was something that it's gonna it's gonna change everything and uh, you know, revolutionize the sport. But I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to like really, it's like two things in my mind. It's like one, it's time. You know, like you have to put the time in. Um, and if you're putting the time in, at some point, you're gonna get the effort in there too, right? So, but it's like time, and then just figuring out whatever's gonna freak your body up, like whatever's gonna shock your body. You know, you're, you're trying to look for that adaptation. So, like, definitely when I was younger, um, you know, longer rides really did that. Like, I, did, I just didn't have the endurance when I was younger. Um, I had that kind of natural uh, sort of spring in my step. You know, you think of, like, a little fawn or something, they jump over a fence, no problem. But um, when it came to going, you know, anything over 50 miles, you know, or something like that, like, I, I'd really struggle. I just didn't have the endurance. But now that I'm an old man, you know, I can go for days. Um, but I kind of, I'm kind of lacking. It, I, it's harder to, you know, really get up and go sometimes. Um, so I find myself doing a lot of, you know, higher intensity, shorter efforts. Um, and really, I don't really need to spend so much time doing that sort of endurance stuff. So really, it just comes down to, you know, training, training whatever your weakness is and trying to figure out whatever's going to sort of piss off your body i guess yeah. <laughs> if, if it hurts it's probably good <laughs> in order to freak out your body do you cross train and pick up other especially aerobic activities just to give yourself like something different um you know i do i do a fair bit of skiing in the winter um cross-country skiing uh and you know cycling is very one motion uh you know up and down very two-dimensional in a lot of ways um and skiing you know kind of opens that up and uh adds a bit more of a coordination aspect and you know i, I mean anybody that's listening that's you know jumped on cross-country skis 
even if, like I grew up downhill skiing a lot and you jump on cross country skis and first thing I did it was in the parking lot I just like fell flat on my back like a total idiot uh, <laughs> a little better now so I, I do a fair bit of that uh, I do a lot of mountain biking again uh, just sort of a more dynamic um, uh, coordination sort of aspect to it and then um, do a fair bit of weightlifting as well uh, because we don't we don't really get a lot of that load bearing uh, with cycling, you know, I, I mean, you see 90 year old ladies out there riding bikes sometimes. I mean, it's, it can be very forgiving on your body, uh, in a good way, but also in a bad way. Like we, we need that, uh, as humans, you know, we, we call it kind of the astronaut effect when you spend too much time riding your bike, you know, your bones kind of get, can get a little, you can have bone density issues. Um, you can kind of atrophy in weird ways where it's like, you know, hard to walk. Like you, you look at a tour de France cyclist after a month of racing the tour de France and, um, you know, aerobically they're in incredible shape, but man, when it comes to walking, like from the parking lot to the front door, like <laughs> we're so freaking slow. It's pathetic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fair bit of weightlifting, some skiing, mountain biking, bit of running, you know, much cross country skiing because I find that that's the most challenging of any aerobic sport. I feel cross country skiing. That's the one that crushes me the most. How about how's your philosophy changed as far as recovery and rest? Because I know when you're younger, you tend to have a tendency to not want to take days off, you know, beast mode 24 seven. So has that changed? Um, you know, I've always like, like it, it's kind of weird saying it, but like I've never really felt like I was one of the more talented riders. Um, on the circuit and like because of that i've always been forced to rest more uh than a lot of my peers um like i've i'm particularly good at like one day races like if i can i go out there put all put everything on yeah all chips on one day and just go for it and then the next day i can't get out of bed <laughs> and then you can contrast that to you know racing grand tours or something like that where you're racing 21 days in a row uh i, I guess you get two days off in there but you know, we're out there 21 days racing and it's like, man, you just, that just totally kicks my butt. Mm -hmm. So I've always been forced to rest a little bit more. Um, but as I've kind of moved through this, you know, my career, it's like been able to sort of find different and I guess sort of creative ways to rest. Uh, you know, like recently became a father uh, a few months ago and yeah your, your uh, cookie cutter uh, planned rest doesn't exactly work out very well when you know, baby's screaming when you're supposed to be uh, sleeping. So more naps, more, uh, you know, sneaking in 10, 20 minute meditation sessions here and there, um, just trying to reset the mind. Um, you know, when I was 22 years old, I thought meditating was like the dumbest thing you could ever do. Uh, but now at 33, it's like, all right, I need to close my eyes and sit for five minutes and <laughs> think about absolutely nothing. Yeah. Well, congratulations being our new father. And I agree with you that when I was younger, I would have said meditation is silly. You're doing nothing. But now it seems like it's an essential part of every day. Throughout your career, you've had many successful finishes. As you look back thus far, which of the events that you're the most proud? Um, I mean, the one that comes to mind like straight away is, uh, national championships, 2019. Um, thank, thanks or no thanks to COVID pandemic. I'm, I'm still national champion. 
uh, two years later. Uh, but that was, you know, like I said, I was a, a better one day racer than stage racer. So, you know, nationals is a one day event and it's something that's always really suited my abilities. And I've been on the podium a number of times, um, you know, I was chasing the wind for going on a decade there and, uh, just couldn't quite put it together. Um, and so to finally seal the deal in 2019, uh, yeah, huge relief, but huge, just like sense of pride and that I trained pretty specifically for that event and was able to, to put it together on the day, which, you know, racing is always such a gamble, you know, 180 guys in the line and a lot of variables there and be able to pull it off and get the title was, uh, yeah, pretty special. Yeah. So tell me about the last year. I know you had a lot of emotional challenges with, from the sports perspective, everything being canceled. And I'm sure there might've been a loss of identity as well that came with it. So what were some of the emotional hurdles that you faced over the last year? There's no denying that 2020 was, was super tough. Um, but yeah, I wish I could say that I like, you know, buckled down and had like immense focus and was like totally ready to race in any given moment. But I mean, I was not in a good place there for a while, uh, a few months. And, um, you know, it's so hard because for a while there, we had no idea if we were going to race like again, you know, like people were throwing around this idea. It's like, and it, you know, it's true that, you know, it's only been the last few decades where, you know, people have been really making a good living at, you know, racing bikes as professional athletes. You know, I mean, even something like you think like baseball, you know, it's like, Oh, it's so big. And those guys are signing hundred million dollar contracts and, you know, it's like it wasn't that long ago, you know, historically speaking, that you know, those guys were playing for bubble gum, you know, it's like so it was yeah, there was definitely some uh some dark thoughts around that and uh but you know, as as we sort of moved into it, um you know, I everything everything was just chaos, you know. And it it still is, you know, on the outside that people look at professional cycling and like they see races going on and think like, oh, they got it all figured out. Uh yeah. It, and a lot of on the surface it looks like business as usual, but you know, kind of behind the scenes, like it's still just you know, we're getting when when I'm in Europe racing, like I'll get COVID tests every three days or so. Um and every single time you get a test, you're like, Man, if that thing's positive, like I'm screwed, you know, like I'm stuck in Europe for a couple at least a couple of weeks. Uh, the protocol is you can't ride for two weeks minimum before you clear all the cardiac testing. Um, so it's, you know, it can, it can throw you, throw you through a loop for at least a month there. Um, and then, yeah, guys test positive. You got to start moving schedules around races, get canceled, yada, yada, yada. Um, and so like really my philosophy sort of the last, certainly coming into this year has been, <laughs> definitely with with the baby um you know like perfection is just like out the window you know like as an athlete you're always like how do i do this like perfectly you know how do i how do i like you know just wh wh where's my where's the the golden ticket here like how do i make this the best race or the best workout or whatever um and I, i've really had to transition away from you know best you know trying to be my best and then like i just I'm always thinking like, all right, what's the better option? Like, how do I get better? You know, it's like, it's like, how do I just get a little bit better today? Like, how do I do better today than I did yesterday? Or, you know, maybe I'm not going to be able to do a given workout. And it's like, well, is it better just to do nothing? Or is it better to do something? You know, it's like, how do I just, 
how, how do I do, how do I do this better? Whatever this is in that moment. Um, and I found that, you know, definitely through those kind of dark times as I sort of latched onto this idea of like, how do I just get better? You know, like my threshold power, you know, when I'm good is like 360, 370 Watts, you know, and during the pandemic when I was, you know, drinking margaritas and staring at the ceiling, wondering if I was ever going to be a professional athlete again, I think it was like probably like 240, you know, and when you, you look at that gap and you're like, how, how am I ever going to close that gap? Like, I'm never going to close that gap. But you start kind of breaking it down. It's like, okay, well, if it's 240 now, how do I get to 250? You know, how do I get better? You know, 250 is better than 240. So like, let's get out of the 240 range and let's just get better. So that's, that's where I've been at and that's where I'm trying to stay. And, you know, it's, it's worked out pretty well. Like I definitely haven't found perfection, but um, I'm not, not far off from my best. So. Well, I, I love hearing that philosophy about better instead of best. I really enjoy that. So I want to maybe talk more about that as far as your mentality when you are in a race, because it's, it's grueling and it's equally as tough mentally as it is physically. And you have a lot of time out there by yourself and your own thoughts. So what's going through your mind? Do you have a mantra that you use? How do you just kind of stay grinded, stay focused, but also stay calm during these long events? Um, you know, like we, we really try and study the courses for a lot of these. Um, and in a lot of ways, try and like pre-program in where we'll be able to sort of mentally relax. Um, like if we have a, a stretch of road where we know there probably won't be any big attacks or, you know, it's going to be a headwind. So there's no reason to be at the front. Like we'll try and use that. And, you know, so really it just comes down to knowledge in a lot of ways. Um, and then I think one of the biggest advantages I've had recently, um, is we did this you know, ridiculous race two years ago in 2019, um, formerly dirty Kansas, currently known as unbound gravel. And it's, it's like 10 and a half hour race, you know, and most of the races that we do are like, you know, a long race is like six hours. Um, and so doing like a ridiculously long race like that, you know, now I look at a race, you know, on average, most of the races we do are like three and a half, maybe five hours. Uh, and you look at like a four hour race and you're like, yeah, it's like less than half of that stupid race that we did. <laughs> so you break it down like that. And then I've also kind of, you know, through dad life have, have realized that, you know, there's 24 hours in the day and you can totally get your butt kicked for 24 hours of those days of every single day, seven days a week. Um, and like, it's almost a relief to do a bike race now where you, you're like, all right, I only have to be switched on for like four hours here, you know? And then after that, I get to eat a snack and take a shower and, you know, call my wife and tell her how much that sucked. <laughs> you spent a lot of time cycling in Europe. I just have to know what are the locations that have created the, the strongest emotional attachment for you? And also with that, is there also one area that you specifically love the most as a tourist? Um, you know, if we, kind of have like a, a bit of a base in uh, Girona, Spain. Uh, I guess you would call it Catalonia. Uh, well, they would call it Catalonia, sorry. Um, and I've, I've spent a lot of time in Girona uh, in Catalonia region and absolutely love it there. It is beautiful. Uh, we live there, but we, we tourist around as much as we can. Um, 
I think another big favorite would be the Basque region of Spain. Mm. Uh, beautiful area, like great people. Um, you know, like if you want to, yeah, if you just want to live, live well and live easy, like that is a great place to do it. You know, like hanging out, eating pinchos and drinking good wine. And um, for the non-vegans out there, like the Chulatone in, in the Basque region, like that is probably like the best, hunk of meat you'll ever eat in your entire life um you need to be prepared for serious salt saturation afterwards but uh it's worth a rough morning for a good chulatone um other than those two yeah maybe the limburg region of the netherlands uh again beautiful area uh maastricht is like beautiful city um yeah an area that yeah you can't go wrong just kind of hanging out when it comes to the Basque region, some of the best food you'll ever find, especially all the salted meats. I got to know what's the wine of choice when you're in Basque. What is the, what is your go-to wine? Um, well, you know, they have like, if you're going to be in the Basque region, you got to drink the cider, you know, and you got to get someone that can pour it for you. Um, <laughs> cause that <laughs> you don't want to be the one that's uh, responsible for pouring half your cider on the floor when you're trying to pour it from the top of the table onto the floor. Uh, but that it is pretty cool when you see someone who knows what they're doing. Uh, but yeah, the cider is pretty good. Uh, it might sound, I, I might get in trouble for this, but, um, you know, in that region, they, they bring in a lot of good wine from Portugal. So like, like really good Porto. Uh, and, me personally, like, I like a good Porto wine. Can't go wrong. That region just an influx of so many different flavors. It's a, such a wonderful area. What do you feel is the biggest lesson you learned from last year? Because for you, it's it just a monumental year. You come in, national champion, the pandemic quarantine, and then dad life all rolled into one. So I'm sure it's just been a learning year for you. So what do you feel is the biggest lesson you've learned? Um, you know, I think like. In 2020 was just like the fear of the unknown and the anticipation and like what's going to happen what's going to happen what's going to happen um and the reality was was like when i started you know with when we had the baby uh we we're just forced into like he like he couldn't look more than 10 minutes down the line at any given time like everything was just new and a total surprise um and so you know it sounds cliche but it came down to just like if you just live in the moment a little bit more, you'll get so much more out of life and spend so much time, less time, you know, chewing down your fingernails. Um, so that's, that's really what I've been trying to do. Just focus on the day to day, just try and be better when you can and savor the things as they come your way. I think it's a brilliant philosophy. So what's next? What do you have coming up events? Um, <laughs> It's a little bit up in the air. I think we'll be, I'll be going back to that ridiculous race in Kansas. That's 10 hours long. Um, sounds like we're going to do another silliest, um, in Sweden that is essentially the length of Sweden from North to South. Uh, so it's like 2,100 kilometers. Um, what is that, like 1,200 miles, something like that. Yeah, 1,200, 1,300 miles um, in like five days, four days, five days. So that that's going to hurt. <laughs> uh, and then, 
the one that I'm really looking forward to and um, I think is going to happen and work out, uh, fingers crossed. Uh, again, things are a bit up in the air with COVID. Um, but it, it's the Cape Epic mountain bike race in South Africa. Uh, it's an eight-day mountain bike stage race um, through <laughs> some pretty wild terrain. Uh, so looking forward to that. And it should be real adventure and a, a big departure from uh, what, what's normal for us. Yeah, that's incredible. So I'm making an assumption. I, I know you're a very introspective, very intelligent person. So are you a reader? And if so, do you have a book recommendation? Um, you know, I've been reading less now that we've had a kid, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hoping to pick that habit back up. Uh, but I did just recently read uh, a book that I thought was great. Um, I'm trying, I cannot remember the name of the author, Michael, Michael something. Um, but it was, uh, the good hand and it was basically about, um, yes, American oil boom town, uh, and just sort of the infrastructure and crazy life that, that goes around all that and just trying to make it as an oil hand. Um, and yeah, he's got some wild stories and, uh, some crazy people fall into that line of work. And I mean, it, it really is what makes the wheels go around in America right now, uh, for better, or for worse. So it, it, it was pretty, pretty cool seeing, uh, sort of what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. With I'll that. Add that one to my list before I let you go. I know you've been in some amazing locations in Europe, uh, snow covered locations, skiing. What is your favorite North American ski resort? Favorite North American ski resort. Uh, whew, man, you know, I've skied a bunch of them, but the one that I spent the most time at, I, I think I have to, I have to go with that. It was, you know, winter park, Mary Jane, uh, spent a ton of time. I basically grew up on those Hills, um, just skiing moguls, Mary Jane and getting, getting my knees blown out. So <laughs> a lot of fond memories there. How can people stay up to date and follow your life, follow your journey? You know, I'm on, I'm on uh, all the socials, uh, Alex underscore house, H-O-W-E-S. And, uh, you know, I'll put up random pictures of myself on bikes and stupid videos of my dog from time to time. Well, this, this was really, really fun. I learned a ton. Yeah, thanks for having me on, really. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to smoke up your ass, but you're a pretty good interview, I feel like. You know, a lot of people are kind of pretty choppy these days. And you've got a bunch of people with random podcasts that think they're uh, Tim Ferriss. But, you know, you made that pretty seamless, so thanks. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. I really, really enjoy talking to you. You're a great human, and I look forward to following your career. And uh, hopefully one day, next time I'm in college, yeah. I'll, look, I'll look you up for a, for, a, for a beer. Yeah, man. It's on me. Perfect. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, take care. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Alex. Make sure to give him a follow on social media. On Twitter, he's Alex underscore house. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway Show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like, you know, New York's favorite son.